We all believe and we all know that one of the biggest single barriers to more people riding bikes is people need to feel safe and people need to be confident that people are out are aware of them and that they can enjoy the ride. Welcome to the Bike Lane. I'm your host, Jake Siegel. With us today is Bob Marjavikas. Bob is Executive Vice President of Specialized Bicycle Corporation. Bob leads their Asian operations, as well as strategic planning, product sourcing, product development, and supplier relations. He's an industry veteran and icon with over 25 years of the company, has been in the bike industry since 1979. In 2019, Bob was granted Honorary Taichung, Taiwan citizenship for his contribution to the Taiwan bicycle industry. Last but not least, Bob gets bike safety. He's a former professional road cyclist and active triathlete. Bob, welcome to the bike lane. Wow, Jake, what an what an introduction! Thanks for that intro, and uh, I'm happy to be here with you on the bike lane, um, but not on my bike, unfortunately. Yeah, it's it's uh, the, for for those of us that ride, it's uh, can't wait to get back out there on on the road and. Uh, um, spend some good time in the green paint or the gravel or whatever the surface is that you choose to ride. So let's start off first with experience. So a uh, little bit of background here. So you get bikes. T- talk to us a little bit about like, how did you originally get into the bike industry? And then like, kind of walk us to wh- like how, like what, what that goes to for today. And then we'll get into some rider behaviors. Well, you know, it's interesting because uh, as you mentioned, um, I was um, on the U S national team and I have uh, raced professionally when I was uh, just out of school, came back I um, ended up getting a graduate degree from Stanford, and you know I'm I'm a, basically a bike guy. Um, all of the people that I was with at Stanford uh, were going to work for VCs and uh, and uh, hedge funds and uh, investment banks, and uh, you know I was the one one guy was going to work for the bike industry. And everybody looked at me and said, you know, Bob, you've got a, you know, Stanford MBA, what are you doing? And what are you thinking going to work in the bike business? But, you know, I'm uh, I'm one of those love what you do and do what you love. And, you know, for me, uh, my passion and and what I enjoy um, is the bike business. So, so anyway, I got into the business 1979. I started out, um, traveling to Asia, um, working on bike product management, bike product development, and have been doing that since. Um, I had been pre-COVID traveling to Asia about eight to 10 times a year, um, traveling to Europe at least four times a year, and trying to manage and orchestrate what's going on um, here in the United States. So it's been a wonderful journey. And frankly, you know, it is, uh, I'm very passionate about bikes. Um, I do ride every day. Um, I know that sounds strange, but as you know, I'm up at five o'clock in the morning and I'm riding from five to about seven or seven fifteen. So I'm really passionate. Uh, I'm definitely, uh, into cycling and I love the product and I love the industry and I love all that I do. So that's, that's a little about me. 
That's awesome. I, I wish I could ride every day, but in Michigan we have uh, snow. So unless you're like, I guess if it's cold enough, you can fat bike. But there's there are some few days out of the year where you really um, you really have to get a ride. I mean, there, you know, the old adage is there's no such thing as bad weather, just bad gear, but uh, bad equipment or bad like you know like what you're wearing. But um, I think that from a context standpoint to really make the industry safer, we've got to have that context. And I, I want to get your thoughts on rider behaviors. So aside from just safety in general, I mean, you've been at the company for so long and been in the industry and been around this. The pandemic has been a, a significant change in how people are riding bikes and who's riding bikes and where they're riding bikes. And I mean, how have you, have you seen that change in the last, from, from specialized in your own position, have you seen that in the last few years transcend? What I've seen happening over the course of time that I've been involved in, uh, in the bike business. So, you know, 40 plus years, um, the, the amount of people that are actually riding on the road um, for health, for fitness, for transportation, um, for uh, event rides, those kinds of things, it's grown significantly. And the activities that relate to bikes have grown, you know, geometrically over this period of time. And, um, you know, pe people today, um, we have multiple generations on bikes, um, people riding for various purposes, whether it's, um, it's performance and race, whether it's just for health and fitness or whether it's for recreation. Um, a lot of people are on the road and what's, what's happened over this period of time, um, is we're, we're starting to see investments in infrastructure where uh, we're, we're seeing protected bike lanes come into play. We're even seeing uh, traffic lights specifically for bikes. Um, we're seeing a lot of, uh, of people that are um, riding, uh, they're riding together and they're riding safer, abiding by the road rules and regulations um, for, uh, for safe cycling. So I've seen just an evolution of the entire sport and the entire activity where people are much more aware, they're much more alert, and uh, they are very conscientious about riding um, on, on streets or on trails. And you, you asked about what changes. Um, so what the changes that have happened, I would say, within the past uh, maybe five years, which could be pre-pandemic, is we've seen a lot of the traditional road riders who were uh, were riding on roads. Today, they're very much concerned about safety, and they're very much concerned about distracted drivers, and they're they're concerned about their safety on the road. So many of them now are are taking up a new kind of road riding, which is called gravel, where you ride off-road uh, on gravel paths or gravel roads where there's very little traffic, if any traffic, and where, they, where it's safer and, and where they can still ride, still, still uh, be engaged in health and fitness and performance aspects of it, but away from the road and in a safer area where they're not not uh, interacting with uh, with 
uh, you know, motorized vehicles. Yeah, it's it's uh, amazing to see the the progress with the gravel scene. And as a mountain biker, which right on the road because I live in a metro suburban area, but uh, I always tell the the roadies out there that you know trees don't move. <laughs> That's <Yeah. laughs> uh, one of the things that we love about the trail. But you know, if you're trying to get um, uh, out there, I mean, gravel is an option. But for a lot of people that are out there, and and you guys sell a lot of bikes to these people, they're they're riding bikes to work. They're riding bikes to uh, go to the, get the groceries. They've got electronic e bikes, like uh, motorbikes. I mean, how how has that changed the conversation about riding in general? Well, you know, what we are seeing is a lot of the people who are buying uh, these e bikes. So e bikes certainly have come into the marketplace. They're something that uh, is a growth aspect of, of cycling. A lot of the people, Jake, who are buying e-bikes are, um, they're, they're new riders. Um, it's not the traditional performance rider or someone who's been on a, who's been riding for fitness or sports. These are new people and they're out there uh, buying e-bikes. Um, they're riding e-bikes for transportation, for utility, for recreation purposes. And we're reaching out to them. Uh, we realize that they are new customers and they're, they're new to the activity. And we want to ensure that they are riding safely. Um, so we're really focused on how we communicate, how we deliver that message to them. And we do that through a variety of different uh, means. We have what we publish with in our website and within the documentation, things like our owner's manual and, and riding tips and how to, how to ride um, safely. Um, we encourage them to wear um, you know, conspicuous clothing and make sure that they wear helmets and that they are riding on the road and they're obeying all of the traffic laws and the traffic rules on the road. And and we think that that's important. And we are we are seeing, at least uh, I'm seeing, people uh, are uh, behaving quite well. Um, these new people riding, it's not a, a a group of people who are who are reckless or not necessarily abiding by all the rules and regulations of the road. They're pretty conscientious and and pretty safe and. Mm-hmm you know, we're continuing to educate them, but it's a, you know, it is a journey. It is a journey and we want people to enjoy it. And we want people to feel safe and feel comfortable riding and tell their friends about it. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. The, uh, as we, as we started working with, uh, the industry when it was, uh, just a, a handful of us a few years back, we always talked about being safe and feeling safe. And those don't always align perfectly because the perception of safety and actual safety don't always, uh, it's like quadrants. They don't, sometimes you can be feeling safe, but you're actually vulnerable or you're vulnerable. You're, you're kind of, uh, actually like think you're really vulnerable, but you're in a position where you're, you got some separation. The, uh, last guest we had John Quain from the New York times on, on our previous episode talked a lot about, people taking in e-bikes that were shared e-bikes. Um, I don't believe that's something that Specialized has per se, but like for, he was talking about, he's seeing more helmets being used and just more anecdotally, I love telling stories on the podcast of, of something recent. Yesterday I was riding my road bike um, home and I was going past my office here on 4th Street in downtown Royal Oak and 
uh, a, a mother and her very young daughter were crossing the street as pedestrians. And the daughter looks over, she goes, he's got a helmet on and just like my helmet. And I got to tell you, like, that was for me, it was a good moment because, um, you know, I had to like, you know, suck my gut in a little bit and like, all right, hey, the little wave. But also <laughs> it, it was cool because it was, uh, it's it's a vibe, you know. You're you're teaching young people and new riders, whether they're six or sixty, and they're new riders. Is that uh, as much as we want to work on technology, electronic technology to help protect cyclists, having um, uh, having some some analog technology like helmets and and Noah uh, from PFB talked about on the first podcast, concrete and barriers. I mean, there's a lot of really good technology that's it's not just having the tech it's it's the education component that that's really important yeah and and i think you know as well uh, you know bikes themselves have gotten safer over a period of time i mean we've we've added uh reflectivity to a lot of the bikes um even now uh simple things like uh tires are getting wider we've we've gotten some specific configurations and and uh, actual formulas for rubber material that ensure that they grip the road mm -hmm. whether it's in wet weather or dry weather um, mm -hmm. you're, you're seeing uh, reflective tires on on bikes um, and you know handlebar mm -hmm. positioning and body positioning that's much more upright so that people can see and be seen so um, there, I think there's a lot of dimensions that are going into it, and a lot of us are really working hard to ensure that that the rider is safe, and we're doing everything that we can to just make riding fun, and that pe people are comfortable. It's a great point, Bob, and and a good transition as we start to get to digital. I'm going to start with the Pro Peloton. So I'm watching the Criterium du Dauphiné, if I'm pronouncing that correctly, yep. uh, last night, and I'm trying to find rim brake bikes, and I'm not seeing any. What what's going on? Why <laughs> why am I looking at a, a lot of disc brakes? Is that safer? Is that is that the deal in the Pro Peloton now? Well, you know, it's the market has changed dramatically towards disc brakes, and disc brakes have a lot of benefits to them particularly uh, when it comes to wheel construction, traditional rim brakes, actually, as you know, they compress against the rims. If, if it's wet conditions, they can either come together and you, know, you don't stop uh, or you stop rather quickly and it's, it's not really a safe condition. And they also wear, either the brake shoes wear down or the rims break down. So we think that, uh, that disc brakes really provide a good solution to safer riding in all types of weather conditions. Um, and, and that's been embraced by both everyone in the pro peloton and now basically most bikes in the marketplace. They do add some weight. Um, the weight increase, um, including the rotor, is somewhere in the area of two to 300 grams. Um, so a, a, a weight increase for uh, disc brakes. But at the end of the day, um, I think riders and users really f know the difference and they can experience the difference with, uh, with disc brakes. So I'm happy to see that. And I'm happy to see it being embraced, particularly by the pro peloton. Yeah, when I when I started riding road, um, my first road bike was a Specialized Roubaix. I'll give you the plug there, and it had uh, mechanical disc brakes on it. And this was uh, about ten years ago. And as a mountain biker, I mean, that's what you had—you had disc brakes. I mean, at, at that point, it was very, very much the standard equipment for a mountain bike. And 
the big reason that we switched from mountain bikes wasn't safety. It was as it was that the tire would become, uh, uh, for the non cycling people listening to this, they would wobble or be out of true and disc brakes would not be affected by that because if you hit a rock or something, it would be straight. Well, I'm on this road ride and I braked really quickly coming up to a red light, which is what you're supposed to do when you come up to a red light, I might add. And, um, this guy behind me just, I mean, he just got just unloaded on me, like stopping too fast and you with your disc brakes and all this. And, you know, fast forward to today, it's, it's good to see the standard safety features. And another thing I wanted to like ask you about is, so another thing I saw last night watching the, uh, the race and, um, uh, in Europe, I, I noticed that there are these little red dots and uh why don't you tell us what those are on the back of those helmets that we're seeing and and uh you you guys were i want to say first to market with a product like this um uh, but i like what what is this what like what what is this thing and and why is that awesome well there's a, a couple of things you know so helmets and helmet technology you know we really are focused for sure on the safety and safety aspects of it and so we've integrated uh, a, a technology that's called mips and MIPS stands for Multi-Directional Impact Protection System. It's a patented technology, and it's actually inside the helmet. And it's designed really to reduce the rotational forces that come from impact. And so basically, it, it allows the, the helmet to move in your head should there be any impact. And so it does cushion the head, you know, with this low friction coating and it allows the head to slide during impact. So it's a it's a really cool technology and it's something that uh, we really uh, embrace and we encourage everyone to have MIPS. The second technology, and I, I, I'm, I'm not sure whether this is something uh, that everyone's aware of, it's called the ice dot. And it, it's a, also a, a technology that we've integrated into helmets, and it's an emergency ID system, and it notifies via a app on your phone that if there is any em- emergency, that the iDOT has the ability to just share health, geolocation information, through an SMS or through a, a, a text message. And it's really a cool technology and it really provides, again, a level of safety and a level of comfort and a level of confidence for people who are riding uh, bikes. And we we really, again, try and embrace as much as we can any the technologies that are just going to allow people to uh, to to ride and feel safe. I, I'm excited about this. Uh, that m- many of our listeners probably don't know that Specialized has been such a a, a leader uh, in safety, both for for passive safety and 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 active safety, but also safety from an educational standpoint. So it, it really is end to end because it, it. And for some of the car people that are listening to this, think like OnStar for your head, you know, on a on a bike and. Unlike cars, we don't have seatbelts and airbags on bicycles. Uh, you probably could make them, but I don't think that'd be such a great idea. Right. It's kind of the sort of thing that I feel that you got to be out there and and educating folks and and that like putting a highlight around that specialized as a as a member of our uh, consortium effort on on safety, you guys get it. And I could tell you that the majority of the time that that I personally spent, 
was like putting this together was really convincing the bike companies, not that safety is important. You guys got that right away. It was really convincing that we could work with the auto companies. And uh, on the flip side of that, I feel like the, um, the auto folks, I mean, they knew safety is important, but they, they wanted to know how we can, how we can get the quote bike guys end quote to uh, get on board. And I, I really feel like the secret was finding people like you, Bob, that were executives at, at these companies that were in a position and had the, the courage to say yes to something crazy, like let's come up with pre-competitive standards. So I'm curious from an internal perspective, how much does it help that your team rides bikes and, and, and gets this from a, from a safety standpoint? So for specialized safety products and working on both passive and active, I mean, how critical is it that, that you, the people working on this ride bikes and they, they get it? Part of our culture at Specialized, and you know, I'm kind of a classic example of that, and Mike uh, Sinyard, actually the founder, he too is really passionate about bikes, but you know, I, I think it's something that's inbred. It, I think it's part of our culture. I think that we we do get it. Um, we, all of us are riders. I'm sure many people have heard about the daily lunch race that we have. Um, and so we understand the dimensions of not only uh, the performance of the product, but also the safety of the product. And we understand the elements that that are necessary in order to ensure that that people feel safe and they feel satisfied and that they're achieving whatever it is that they've gone out to uh, do when they're out for a ride, whether it's just, um, you know, in, enjoying the day or, or thinking about something. So, but it is, it is part of our culture. Um, and we all believe, and we all know that um, one of the biggest single barriers to more people riding bikes, um, whether it's an e-bike or whether it's a, a hybrid bike for an event, is people need to feel safe and people need to be confident that they're that they're safe, that people are out looking at, there are are aware of them, and that they can uh, that they can enjoy the ride, and and that's what we work on every day, just making sure that every person who buys a bike or who rides a bike, that, that it's the ride of their life. That's what we want it to be. And we want them to be safe and comfortable. That's fantastic. And, uh, ride of the life. I mean, that's, uh, as, as a group ride leader, I, I might borrow that. That's, that's pretty cool. Um, that's, I think that's why we all, uh, I mean, not, uh, another quick story. Last night on the Tuesday night ride, uh, there was a safety announcement that was warranted after last week's ride. And, and, uh, the first thing the, the guy said that did this, he's probably in his mid sixties goes, um, you know, raise your hand if you're a UCI pro and, uh, you know, it's like, okay, we're all just here to ride bikes and we got to get up in the morning, and ride bikes tomorrow. And I feel like that, that that's definitely, um, a cultural thing that's very, it needs to be shared down to the generations as new riders coming in. You, you talked about that education for people that are new riding, especially people that are riding for uh, utility. I love that word, um, riding for transportation. Specialized recently announced direct to consumer approach, uh, along with uh, an addition to the the local bike shops. And I, I'm curious if you can talk a little bit about like what drove this, and from a safety perspective, like how how does this 
help specialized communicate these types of safety things, like you said earlier, with that new rider. And obviously it's not the first time someone's ever rode a bicycle, probably not, but it might be some, the first time somebody's riding a bicycle on roads in the last 15 years and needs to like be up on how to safely navigate the streets. So with the direct-to-consumer approach, back to the question is, is uh, how does how does this give you guys a good position and, and help uh, within the safety lens for communicating that? One of our, uh, we, we have, uh, we have, uh, I'll call it a value system. We call it the specialized way. And one of the most important character or ingredients of the specialized way is the rider is the boss. So the, the concept of, of D to C direct to consumer for us really, um, is an effort by specialized to ensure that wherever the customer wants to buy products that we need to be there and whether it's consumer direct or whether it's through our own uh, specialized own store or whether it's through independent retailers we want to make sure that we're uh, we're servicing that customer and we're making the product available to that customer wherever they want to buy it. And it, it getting it, getting back to uh, the safety aspect of it, and I think in the beginning I had mentioned, uh, you know, we have various different ways of communicating and educating customers, whether it's on our website, whether it's through our manuals, whether it's how we talk on social media, whether it's the message that they receive from, uh, from a retailer. Um, we want to make sure that that customer feels safe, they're comfortable, mm-hmm. and that they are properly informed and educated on the safety aspects and the safety dimensions of riding. And, and really, we try and do our best to deliver that message to everyone, regardless of where they buy, and that they feel confident and safe and comfortable. Um, and, and we're going to continue to drive that because at the end of the day, the rider is the boss. Love it. Never forget this. My twenties, uh, Joe Clayton, who is the CEO of dish at the networks at the time, his mantra is give the customer what they want. And I, I've heard that and, and the customer is the boss and other, other statements many times, but in 2022, it's refreshing to, uh, get a renewed approach and, and follow where the customer is and, also with a customer looking for a safe experience and enjoyable experience and being able to respond and, and provide that input. I think that's just fantastic. So switching over a little bit to the customers. So we're all learning as an industry because I mean, we're, you've got products, we're talking helmets, I mean, even, even like even maybe lower tech than that, just reflective materials on, on tires you mentioned and, and uh, reflect, reflectors that are, are uh, mandatory to be on all bicycles. Great thing, obviously. Uh, bike lights, it, it kind of goes up. Well, now we're talking about products like iStot where it's got GPS location, it's sending information in an OnStar-like format out. And we're working on ways to wirelessly communicate between uh, bikes, scooters, pedestrians, worksite users, any vulnerable road user, which everyone listening to this probably knows what a VRU is. Um, there's a there's definitely a piece of this where the, you talk about like the customer is the boss, but we got to make sure that the boss is is cool with like sharing that information. So do you think that um, the the concept of like sharing GPS location, even though it's it is giving up a little bit of your privacy to some extent, even if it's anonymous, even doesn't have your name, but but 
do you think riders are open to the conversation of trading some of their uh, location information if it will make them a little bit less vulnerable on the roads? Is that like something that you think is is progressing? Is that conversation a, a welcomed one in the industry? I, I I think it's something that we're we're initiating dialogue on, and you know, uh, customer privacy is really a key point and you know it's something we're going to have to broach as we get deeper into whether it's uh whether it's um b2v or however it is that we're going to have some communication um so that we ensure uh that that drivers that vehicles and bicycles are uh unified and vulnerable road users are safe um but it, it is something that i think that that needs some discussions. I think it is something that we're going to have to approach very, uh, very carefully um, with the consumer to ensure mm-hmm. that they feel safe and that they're uh, they're willing to give up that information. Um, it's uh, it's just uh, it's going to be the evolution, I think, of technology and the evolution of ensuring safety with the riders. We're hoping as an industry that from uh, on a consumer technology side, we're hoping that there's good standards that are in place and uh, switching into a little bit about the standards and, and one of the benefits of standards is it's not, um, I mean, when we first started there, everyone's wondering, okay, is this going to be a Tome um, specialized Trek Ford GM thing, or is this going to be like everybody? Like, you know, what's the deal? And, um, and you were very vocal that, you know, we need, we need more auto companies. I remember, I remember you in the meeting, we need more auto companies, we need more bike companies. I'm curious, like, especially as standards can help address some of these, these uh, questions on consumer tech and privacy and making sure that we have an appropriate level of sharing and protection and all that. Um, how, do, how do you strike a balance between staying competitive against, I mean, you're sitting next to some of your, your biggest competitors in the world and, and working on standards for safety. I mean, how do you guys strike that balance? So Jake, I, I think that that's a, that's a really great question on how to, how do we stay competitive? And, you know, I think I had mentioned that, you know, safety is not something that's really a, a competition. We're not racing one another to be competitive in a, in a safe environment. Not the lunch race. <laughs> yeah. We, we basically want to be, we, we, we all want the same thing. And, you know, together, um, I think between the cycling industry and the auto industry that we can innovate, we can create technology that really will ensure everybody's safe. And so I, I'm really excited about that. And I'm really, you know, proud that we were uh, part of that uh, founding group with you. And I'm, I'm really so pleased to have been invited and to be part of it as, as is specialized of this group um, to work and collaborate together with the auto industry and that the auto industry has opened up and is willing to, uh, to embrace cycling and to listen and to identify issues and how to collaborate together. And it's been a really wonderful experience for me. And I'm just hoping that we can continue to work together and uh, and come up with some great solutions that are going to ensure um, safety for VRUs. I got to share with our listeners that 
I was out in 2018 at the Bicycle Leadership Conference, which is a, a very uh, select group of the who's who of the cycling industry in Monterey, California. Uh, it's usually what a pre-pandemic was dovetailed or, or hooked up with the Sea Otter Classic. And I'm this this auto guy from Detroit popping in there and uh, like like a fish out of water, I guess. And um, I'm on stage and I'm, I'm showing some slides and I'm, I'm just like, oh boy, how's this going to go? And I had, um, got the invite from, um, one of the other, uh, bike companies we're working with. And, uh, Bob, you were in the front row and you stood up, you literally stood up and we're like, we're in and, and started calling out people by name. And there's gotta be a hundred plus people in this room. Like, okay, let's go. And, um, I, I gotta, I gotta say that like, being in an environment where you know how important that is to like get that collaboration and that what we call in, in our industry pre-competitive technology is is just critical and um i mean that was in 2018 uh, which feels like 50 years ago with with the last few years so with that what message would you have today for other cycling companies including the startups you know the companies that are out there making cycling tech not just the the full full bikes like you guys do. So what message would you have on, on what they should be doing to do their part towards uh, safer roads for everybody? Well, I think that the, the important thing and, and Jake, you were the uh, you were the initiator of it is, you know, to engage and, you know, be proactive. We've put together now the Vulnerable Road User Safety Consortium, VRSC, and you know, I think being a part of that, engaging, listening, connecting with both other people and and companies within the bicycle community, as well as engaging with others in the automobile industry, I think is great. We need to have a lot of voices. We need to have a lot of participation and we need to have everybody embracing this entire concept of safety and just being a part of it. Um, and I, I always say, you know, if, if you're not part of the solution, you're part of the problem. So please be part of the solution. Amen to that, brother. Anything else as we start closing out that you'd like to share with our listeners? You know, Jake, you've, you've done a wonderful job and, you know, I'm honored to actually be here contributing. Uh, you know, I, I just want everyone to just be aware and alert to uh, vulnerable road users. Um, let's all get together. Let's work on education. Let's work on conspicuity. Let's work on technology where we can ensure the safety of, of uh, vulnerable road users. And let's continue to collaborate together between the automobile industry and the cycling industry. And, and let's make this happen. Let's make roads safer for everybody, not only for cyclists, but any other uh, vulnerable road users. So um, thanks so much for the opportunity of being here and contributing. I really, uh, as I said, I'm honored and happy to be a part of this. Thanks, Bob. And that was Bob Marjavikas, Executive Vice President at Specialized Bicycle. I'm your host, Jake Siegel. Thanks again for listening and see you next time in The Bike Lane.